Hi there, and welcome to Handels Banking Insights. We're here this morning with James Poole, Chief Economist of Handels Bank in the UK, for our weekly economic update. Good morning, James. Good morning, Maya. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right, let's get started. Um, so this week's look at high-frequency data. I know you've been looking at retailing and air travel. What's the latest? Well, the the ONS uh, survey data shows us some some interesting stuff. Um, Retail is on a slow upward path, uh, and I think that that's that's the sort of thing we've been seeing really over the past month or so. Um, But there's still a reluctance to get on public transport, and I think that we can see that if we look at the the actual uh, uh, make differences between high streets and shopping centres and retail parks, and people are, are more comfortable with retail parks where they drive to them than they are to high streets where at least in some cases, so, so London, Manchester, Birmingham, uh, you know, Edinburgh, Glasgow, people may well be using those high streets uh, and taking public transport to them. They don't like doing that. So that's that's certainly uh, one of the things that we're, we're, we're seeing coming through. Um, and we can also see um, work-related spending, people tracking on credit cards. That's uh, actually rising again. It's spending, which is, is obviously staples, very, very steady. That's things like groceries. And, and work-related spending um, uh, is going up. That That could be uh, everything from from petrol to um, uh, work-related retail items, as well as um, uh, those people who are traveling on public transport. And I think the final thing to look at is really airlines, which clearly airlines have had a terrible, terrible time over the last couple of years. Uh, and what's interesting is that whilst number of air, air travelers is uh, above where the, the depths that we saw in 2020, it's not that much above, really. Uh, and uh, I think what we're going to see over the course of the autumn is the economy recovering more fully, but some parts of that that economic recovery really lagging. And clearly, uh, we all know about the restrictions on travel. We know that uh, it's even when, when the travel restrictions come off, there may well be a lot of quite onerous bureaucracy that goes along with that. And that dissuades people from traveling. And we're certainly seeing the evidence of that coming through in the data. Okay, you also had a look at employment data, both from the Office of National Statistics surveys, as well as the volume of online job adverts. What can you conclude? Yeah, I, I think employment's really one of the bright spots in the UK economy. Um, and it's, it's frankly, it's a bright spot in quite a few of the economies because we have been recovering and because governments did take some pretty big um, interventions in the market to ensure that the unemployment didn't go rocketing up. Uh, I think that's only fair given the governments were also shutting the businesses down. Um, so about 85% of businesses are showing that they're, they're, they're fully back up and running. We know that the number of people on furlough remains below 5%. So the furlough scheme, uh, I think, did preserve a lot of employment. It, it preserved it at a big price, which is something we'll have to start worrying about a lot more as the autumn progresses. I think the other thing that's interesting to look at is the online job adverts. Um, of course, uh, most people these days, then that's where the first place they'll go in terms of um, looking for a job. And what we can see is that... Um, Job adverts across all, all sorts of various sectors. Everybody is above the level of 2019, even uh, the level of 2020, and even above the level of 2019. And if we look at something like transport and logistics, where we know that we're seeing um, both a, a shortage of workers, um, and you know, some people are saying this is attributable to Brexit, and I'm sure there's an element of that, but we see that shortage uh, also in much of the rest of Europe as well, which would tend to suggest that it's, it's broader than just, just a Brexit-related thing. Um, but we're seeing lots of, of changes to consumer habits as a result, and therefore I think there's more demand for those. And therefore there's there's obviously uh, a lot of people who are advertising for um, people to, to help them in, in the transport logistics sector, uh, and that's very, very notable in terms of the number of jobs out there in that sector. I think overall what we're looking at is actually uh, a very positive situation in so much as 
uh, we are not seeing, looking for unemployment to go up particularly, uh, and it's going to remain sub 5% really from here on in through the rest of this year. Uh, and that's a very positive outcome given that there's the economic shock we had. Uh, there may be some, some implications for that for inflation where we see um, uh, wage prices going up and we'll have to see just how transitory those prove to be. But uh, for the moment, we'll just uh, enjoy the lower unemployment. Okay. Um, not much official data uh, was out last week, but we did see the Purchasing Managers Index. Anything unexpected there? Well, no, nothing unexpected. Um, it, it, this is their flash PMIs for the UK. Flash means that it's the thing they do about two thirds of the way, three quarters of the way through the month. It's about 85% of the total responses come through. Um, and really, they told us what we, we probably expected intuitively. And that's that we have a lot of business supply constraints um, are making themselves felt. Uh, in particular, we're seeing delivery times remaining um, a real problem. Uh, people having trouble getting stock. Uh, part of that's because we know that as shipping is, is shipping prices are really up. Uh, logistics generally are, are proving difficult. Uh, the index as a whole is at 55.3. Now, as we recall, anything about 50 means the economy is expanding. So this is still expansionary, but it's just down from that 59.2 that it was um, in the previous month. Um, so I think that in general, there's big job creation, which we'd expect high since really 1998. Uh, all of this is positive, um, but there are looking like a few supply um, chain problems. And those bottlenecks, I think, are the, the reason that it's fallen down from that, that very, very high level. And I would also expect it to, to start to calm down. What we're seeing, of course, is that 59 number in July was a reflection of the, the economic expansion, which was really just reflating back to where it should be uh, with consumer expenditure um, uh, going back to something like normal levels. Uh, and now we're happy to look in, the, as the autumn goes on, about business investment, which will mean that that overall number, it, it, I expect it to remain above 50, uh, but um, not a long way above 50. Okay. Um, the big event last week, of course, was the virtual Jackson Hole Central Bankers Summit and the chairman of the Federal Reserve's much-awaited speech. Did he do enough to give himself a shot at reappointment, do you think? Well, certainly his, his reappointment is one of the big talking points of, of all this. And Jay Powell, he was, of course, an appointee of President Trump. And um, there might have been thoughts that he would be um, uh, pushed aside or that they would prefer to, to um, uh, appoint somebody who was uh, more on their team. But I think actually what they were really looking for is somebody who is accommodative towards um, the President, President Biden's administration. And I think he probably has done quite a bit for that. Janet Yellen, who was the former chairman of the Federal Reserve Board and is now the U.S. Treasury Secretary. So she's moved from a, a neutral civil service position to a uh, very much a uh, part of um, uh, the Biden administration. Um, she said some positive things about Jay Powell, uh, and I think he's come up with a fairly dovish statement. So I think he probably has done enough. So um, we, we have to sort of think, what has he said that's interesting in Jackson Hole? Now, a lot of people have been waiting for this speech because they were looking for some guidance on what the Federal Reserve is planning on doing over the course of this autumn. Are they looking to wind down the quantitative easing? Are they looking to, to raise rates? And he did give us some indication of what's going on in all that. First of all, he said that he thought that um, uh, durable uh, inflation, i.e. things, um, is, is now above services inflation, which is the reverse of the way it normally is. Um, and we'll have to see if that actually is um, sustainable to the future. I think what we're also seeing is, and this is slightly at odds with what Jay Powell said, he's saying durable inflation is up, and but the globalization remains a deflationary force on the economy as a whole, i.e. Um, because we get very, very competitive prices globally, that's pushing prices down overall. 
But if we are seeing um, a, a certainly a diminishing of the positive effects of, of globalization, it would tend to suggest that we've perhaps got more things to worry about on the inflationary side than, than Powell is letting on. The other thing I think is interesting is that um, the Federal Reserve is broken into a number of uh, geographical branches, and each one of those branches has a Federal Reserve governor, and they voted five. The voting members voted five of five to say that they would like to see quantitative easing starting to be rolled back. Now, here in the UK, we have a monetary policy committee, somewhat similar in terms of different people with different opinions uh, looking at uh, what we should do with monetary policy. But we only had uh, one person last time saying that um, they thought that the uh, quantitative easing should start to be rolled back. And clearly the Federal Reserve are a bit further down the path and they're a bit more concerned about some of the inflationary uh, elements that are coming through and all that. So we are seeing a genuine policy debate uh, emerging in the US. What is the right time to do all this? Now, Powell has said that he would look for um, QE to start to be rolled back over the course of this autumn. Now, he's not saying that the uh, Federal Reserve is going to sell off their stock of debt, but he is saying that they might not be buying quite as much and they might not be reinvesting all of the proceeds as the, the, the older bonds um, are mature. They don't um, reinvest all the proceeds straight back into the market. So we'll have to see how that goes. But clearly there is, as I say, a, a lot of policy debate going on in all of this. And um, I think Jackson Hole did provide a little bit of, of clarity in terms of what the Fed's thinking and what various people within the Fed are thinking about the future. Okay, if the US authorities uh, don't seem to believe that there's an immediate infl inflationary concern, how about the EU and, and broader inflationary pressures? Yeah, we've seen the Eurozone inflation come through, um, and, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's pushing up. Uh, what we've seen in both in the UK and in the US is some frictional un, uh, inflation as um, uh, economies are opened up, which is to say, you know, businesses might not have uh, the right employees in quite the right places, and sometimes they need to, to shift around and demand might uh, appear in uh, some unexpected places. And, and the result of that is a bit of frictional inflation. Now, that's expected to, to diminish uh, as, as companies sort themselves out, and I think that's, that's very likely. Um, but we've seen a bit of inflation, Eurozone inflation coming through in all of that, and the German inflation figures this morning coming through looking uh, fairly robust as well. But again, there's, the, there's a, a widespread expectation that that will fall over the coming year. That's certainly what we've put out in our global markets forecast, uh, which we'll talk about in just a second. Uh, I also looked at shipping, and I thought some interesting things going on with shipping. Now, we know that shipping, i.e. shipping on ships, so 24 equivalent units, the, the sort of boxes we're, we're used to seeing being pulled around by lorries, uh, we know that the price of those has gone up by six times over the um, last uh, year and a half. So really substantial range in that. But what we're also seeing is some data on what do people actually pay? And that six times figure is really for uh, essentially the spot rate. So if you're an occasional uh, exporter and you've got a box that you want to move from China to Europe, you're going to have to pay uh, that very, very high spot price. But of course, if you've got uh, a, a long-term contract, you're not going to be pay paying anything like that. And that's really how inflation often works. It's not the price that everybody pays. It's just um, it starts to be um, for the occasional user or for people who aren't quite as well connected they end up paying more. Um, for others, we can see the prices uh, remaining locked in at a much lower rate. And that's, that's certainly what we've seen on shipping. The other thing we're seeing, of course, is, um, and it's unsurprising here, it's just interesting to see the, the, the evidence backing it up, that um, people who aren't able to find um, space on a ship, or if the, if the cargo is value, highly valuable and are valuable enough, they're putting it on an airplane and we're starting to see air freight cargo prices going up, even though we've got more planes flying around than before. Um, during the, the, the depths of the pandemic, 
um, the air freight prices are going up, largely just because shipping rates in, as a whole are going up. Okay, and um, finally, as you just mentioned there, I know we've um, pub- just published our most recent global markets forecast, and you have a few highlights for us. Yes, uh, so um, four times a year, we publish a global macro forecast, and this, as it says, it does look globally, but then we also look uh, at a good deal more depth of our uh, individual macro markets, or individual home markets. Uh, I write this the section on the United Kingdom, um, but colleagues write sections on Sweden, Finland, Norway, Denmark, and the Netherlands, and the Eurozone as well, and bits on China, the United States as well. So uh, this very, very good overview of what's going on in the, the world as a whole, uh, and some of the big themes going on and all of that. Um, I think there is a feeling that we still have um, a bit further to go for in terms of, of COVID. Now, uh, here in the UK, obviously, we've had both a good vaccine rollout and uh, a removal of, of a lot of restrictions. Um, but the public hasn't really fully gone back to, to where they were, as I was describing a moment ago. But I think the other thing that's really important uh, to look at is what's happening in other countries and the speed and pace of vaccinations and the way in which that's impacting on people. So, for instance, here in the UK, when we've had the Delta variant coming up, because we've had this good vaccine, we're not seeing it impacting so much. But other countries, the Delta variant is proving to be more problematic, uh, principally in the United States, um, but other countries, say Australia, uh, parts of China, also having to shut down. So we look at all of these pressures uh, and we look at some of the things we're expecting to have over the the course of the autumn. Um, So it's a a good way to, to catch up with all of that. And if anybody wants a copy of that, of course, it is available on our website. Thank you very much, James. That's great. Um, and we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Right. So, uh, yes, absolutely. I'll be back uh, with uh, the podcast on Monday next week uh, in, in line. Uh, no bank holiday. So we'll be back at normal time. So thanks so much, Mariana. Thank you.